0: You know, I don't have a supplement company, I don't have a book, I don't have a way, I don't have a method. So that's intentional because you have to be adaptable.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined on the line later today by Kyle Fofitbach. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to give you a quick recap of the week that was, what is new in my neck of the woods this week, and then give you a little food for thought to make sure that the coming days, weeks, and months of your life are even more productive than they already are. So let's jump in. What happened last week? Had my usual coaching hours on the floor, loving where my people are at right now. I fast you Q&A call. If you're not a member of the U, make sure you get on that. Between The Q&A calls, the monthly content, the Facebook group. It is a great resource for young and old coaches alike. So loving the way things are going with iFastU right now. Had a couple podcast interviews. Obviously, Kyle, who you will hear in just a little bit. My guy, Joel Jamison, coming back on a soon-to-be-released episode that I think you're really going to love. And then, you know, last weekend, the usual sportsing activities. Kate had basketball and indoor soccer. Kendall had indoor soccer. We watched all of the Marvel, it seemed like. We watched Infinity War on Friday, which is like a a two-and-a-half-hour movie. We watched uh, Endgame on Saturday, which is like a three-hour movie. And then we watched the two most recent episodes of WandaVision on Sunday. So I think we are all caught up there. I take that back. We've got one more Spider-Man movie to watch and then we'll be all caught up. And then I have a list of non-superhero themed movies to watch for a little while. I'm excited to dive in. We're going to watch The Sandlot. We're going to watch the Back to the Future movies, the Karate Kid movies. So if you have any good sport. Sports. If you have any good kids' movies that you would recommend that are appropriate for children 10 and under, by all means, please send them my way. Marvel, maybe not totally okay all the time, but I try and cough or, or do something to deter them if there is anything uh, inappropriate going on. So. Yeah, that's what happened last week, this week, trying to get all of the things done. Recorded some some new content for iFastU today. Had another iFastU Q&A call today, mostly because Bill is on vacation. Rest of the week, got some extra coaching. Uh, heading up to Muncie, which if you're unfamiliar with Indiana Geography, is the small town that's about an hour northeast of Indianapolis where I grew up. My parents are possibly selling their old farm there, which will be bittersweet. It'll be weird to not have any connection left there. But at the same time, they've lived in Florida for like five years now. So they're ready to be out from under that and just kind of moving on with life. So man, that's what's going on in my neck of the woods. I hope everything is good for you right now. And something I want you to think about, you know, we laugh at some of the cliches and slogans that are out there. And one of the most Popular slogans of all time is Nike's trademark of just do it. And so you can kind of roll your eyes at that and you can kind of like pass it off as just fluff. But I think there are times where, at least in my world, where I have a tendency to plan a lot, I organize a lot, I have a lot of great ideas, but then, you know, stuff just gets in the way, right? Like being a dad or running a business or whatever, whatever. And so right now I've got just this real strong focus of, can I do all of those things while also pushing the envelope with some of the other areas that I've wanted to make a push in? Because let's be frank, when May, June, July get here and I get my athletes back, like that's going to be my focus. So I'm really focused over these next couple months. Like what can I do to push the, push the needle forward? And when it comes to that, there's a couple things that I really want to make a push on. Number one, stepping up like the social media and the Instagram game. Now, keep in mind, when I say that, that doesn't mean just posting like random arbitrary stuff. Cause I think anybody can do that. Like anybody can just post a workout vid or something motivational. My goal is to to do stuff that again, not just moves the needle for me, but moves the needle for you as somebody that's consuming that content. So, the theme that I've had here lately is breaking down my workouts and and the things that I'm working on and the coaching cues that I'm thinking about. So I'm going to finish that this upcoming week. And then all of March is just going to be essentially like 31 days of bulletproof knees. And so each and every day, I'm going to have a small segment. It could be an exercise. It could be something with regards to thought process. It could be something you can do with your conditioning basically 31 days of content that just revolves around getting and keeping your knees as strong and healthy as possible. Part of the reason I want to do this is because I've had knee issues in the past. I know they suck, but I also just feel like sometimes the universe tells you like this is something you need to do. And I've just had so many conversations with people here lately that are having knee issues. They've had knee issues in the past. They've torn their ACL. They've torn their ACL and they never have felt hundred percent since. So I just feel like this is something I need to do, not only for the people that are struggling with these issues, but also for myself, just to give me something to focus on and get on track with the social content. So I'm excited about that. Again, like I mentioned earlier, I shot about a 30 minute video today for iFastU and my complete coach groups. So I can show them like, Hey, look, here's the stuff I was talking about on Instagram about my program. Here is the big picture. Like here are my goals. My goals when I set this up. Here's how I laid out the rhythm and the routine of the week. Here are the exact exercises I chose. Here's the mistakes that I made because, hey, look, man, 20, 21 years in, I've been doing this for a minute, but I still make mistakes too. So just really excited to get some of this content out there. And look, we can all fall victim to this, right? We can fall victim to, I don't have time. I don't have the energy. I'm not good enough. Whatever your excuse may be, I have my excuses as well, but I'm just kind of in that phase right now where like, Hey, I'm putting as many excuses to the side as I possibly can. And I'm just going to work on executing, 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 getting stuff out the door. One of my favorite sayings comes from my good friend and business advisor, Pat Rigsby. And he says, you get paid for done. Now, maybe it's not in the form of money, but you know, it never hurts when you get paid for stuff but I love the premise of that statement. You get paid when something gets done. You don't get paid for ideas. You don't get paid for organizing. It's not to say those things aren't important, but at some point you have to put all of the planning, all of the organization aside. And you just have to get stuff done. So that's where I'm at right now. So you're going to hold me to it. I hope if I do not have 31 days of bulletproof knees content on the gram, then you can send me nasty emails or threaten me on the gram or social media, <laughs> wherever we interact. But uh, I'd like to think that I've got some really good stuff that's going to help, whether it's you, your friend, a family member, a fellow colleague in the industry. Hopefully, this content is going to move the needle, not only for yourself, but for me as well, because I got to keep challenging myself and finding ways to help people. So that is it. That's what I got going on. Again, hope everything is going well for you. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to jump into this awesome new episode with my guy, Kyle Pfaffenpappen. One thing Bill Hartman and I have talked about for years now is the power of mentorship. Early on, I didn't have a mentor to shape or guide me, or most importantly, help me find the blind spots in my own training and coaching. But luckily, after many years of trial and error, I found Bill, and my professional success exploded as a result. But the downside to the mentorship process, at least professionally, is that it can be pricey. For private mentees that I work with, it costs anywhere from 399 to 599 per month to work together. And while I know the results go far beyond that price, the fact of the matter is that just won't work for a lot of folks. So when Bill and I sat down a while back, we asked ourselves a really tough question. How can we help shape the future of the industry and truly make it great? And beyond that, how can we create amazing content, yet make it affordable to virtually every trainer or coach out there? And the answer for us was simple. Restart IFAST University. Here's what you'll get when you become a member of IFAST University. One update each month from myself and Bill. This could cover anything from improving exercise technique, to writing better programs, and everything in between. Twice per month Q&As, where Bill and I will personally answer your questions to help you become better at training, coaching, or even running your fitness business. A Facebook group where will be surrounded by like-minded trainers and coaches who are serious about getting better, and access to the U archives where you'll be able to watch literally hundreds of pieces of content from the IFAST team over the years. This blend of content and Q&A is specifically designed to help make you the best trainer or coach possible. If you're interested in learning more, head on over to ifastuniversity.com to get signed on. We'd love to have you on board. Kyle Pfaffenbach earned his undergrad and masters in exercise science degrees from Colorado State University. After that, he stayed at CSU and also completed a PhD in nutrition biochemistry. After a postdoctoral fellowship, Kyle started as a professor at Eastern Oregon University in 2012. Along with teaching, he also uses his expertise in performance nutrition as a consultant for a variety of elite and Olympic-level athletes, as well as professional sports teams. In this show, Kyle and I take a deep dive into the world of sports nutrition. We start by talking about his philosophy and why health is such a key focus for him. From there, we talk about how to find reputable sources of information, and perhaps more importantly, some red flags you might want to look out for when looking for nutrition advice. We also talk about his basic rules for fueling, and discuss why he feels food should be considered more than just fuel. This was a really awesome chat, and I think you're going to love it. But enough for me, let's do this. Thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to catch up with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, sure. So, my name is Kyle Pfaffenbach. I am an associate professor of health and human performance at a small university called Eastern Oregon University. It's kind of it's one of the state schools in in Oregon, kind of in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I teach exercise physiology and nutrition, But I also consult, I'm a nutrition consultant for a variety of elite athletes.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And we were talking before the show, the city that you live in sounds pretty freaking cool right about now. I don't know what the weather is like out there, but man... (laughs) the The well, small town feel sounds really nice right about now.
0: Yeah, man. There's there's about two and a half feet of snow in oh my front yard. <laughs> so we're we're nestled in the mountains, which is cool though, because because I like to get outside and I like to ski and I can ski sort of either kind of really close to my house. I can just sort of go off in the woods with my dog and ski and and do things like that. So That's yeah, we're awesome. and and we were kind of at an advantage. Not that. You know, we're speaking in relative terms here because nothing was like great about COVID. But the the university is is really focused on rural, reaching rural populations and, and people that have issues with access. So we actually have more students at our university online than we do on campus. Oh, wow. And so we do we already did online teaching really well. And and I've been teaching online and developing you know, best practices and things like that and applying best practices for a long time. So we were kind of able to to weather the storm pretty well here.
1: No, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So tell me, what led you to the world of physical preparation? How did you get started in all this? Ooh, so
0: I'll try and keep this brief, but <laughs> basically... You know, I think a lot of people that are in these in the performance field grew up playing sports, being around sports, an interest in sports, a fan of sports, these types of things. So I was no different. I've always enjoyed sports. I've always played a lot of sports, engaged in a lot of different activities. And so, you know, when I went to undergrad, I think my first year of undergrad was 97 and I was lucky enough to be able to kind of move from Ohio and, and go on this adventure out, out west and, and go to school at Colorado State. And it was one of the first years that Colorado State was offering this new major that that nobody had ever heard of called exercise science. <laughs> and, you know, I went there because the closest thing I could find was like to what I wanted to study was things like pre-physical therapy or mm. athletic training or being a PE teacher. But here was this new program that was being started. Actually, the guy that was principal in getting it off the ground did his PhD work at Ball State, so pretty close to where you are.
1: Wait, who was it? Do you know?
0: So it was a guy named Matt Hickey, and he yeah. worked with – Do you know Matt Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. Yeah, so what a small world. Yeah, so he he's one of my – he's one of the most influential – advisors in my career in education and and we got to colorado state around the same time he he was off his fresh office postdoc but he studied with a guy named Costel out of ball state which is he's kind of a legend in exercise yeah. science so so yeah it was like you mean i can just study performance and sports but with science and yeah so that's kind of how I started but then I became really interested in the biochemistry of it and and the sort of physiologic aspects of it the real sort of nitty gritty science so my undergrad and masters is in exercise science but my PhD is actually in nutrient biochemistry where we were studying subcellular signaling pathways and how nutrients affect those as a signal. We were looking at animal models, cell models, and basically the the pathway that I studied as a PhD student is also really important in cancer development, as well as cancer progression, as well as Therapy resistance. So like why th- Yeah, so I, I actually ended up doing what's called a postdoctoral fellowship at the University of Southern California Their school of medicine and that was like hardcore science. There was right. nothing performance related to this I was in a you know, the building I worked in the first several floors were cancer patients and the, the Top couple floors were cancer research and it was just a very kind of hardcore science, medical, biomedical environment. And when we, you know, I left LA for a couple of reasons. One, my wife and I didn't want to raise children and have a family in Los Angeles. Two, I realized that I was missing, I was missing sort of the mentorship and teaching aspects that being, I, I was really just working in the lab. And the only people I was really working with were my lab mates. I wasn't right. teaching classes. I wasn't working with students, things like that. Yeah, so we made the move. My, my wife got a job opportunity up in the Northwest. And so we ended up in this small town where she grew up. And long story short, they have a university here, a four-year university. Their exercise science department was growing. So everything kind of came back full circle. I was able to get a tenure track position at this teaching school that wasn't so research focused, it was more application and training and mentorship at the undergraduate level. And I love it, it's like my dream job. I teach exercise physiology, I teach performance nutrition. I was able to bring my experience from USC and and apply that to like the sports performance world. So I, I also teach, this really unique exercise physiology class that is based on molecular signaling. So it's sort of the molecular side of exercise physiology. And yeah. And and so it's just, yeah, like I said, it's kind of my dream job.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so talk to me. So you've got the teaching side, then you also have this, what, like consulting type side as well.
0: So this is interesting because again, I never, I never set out to quote unquote, work with athletes or work with like, I was very much, uh, had take, but I was, I'm really passionate about sports performance and the role that, that nutrition and sports and training, all these things can play in a person's life at any level. So when I started, when I got to Eastern Oregon and I started teaching sports performance, I started applying all these molecular principles and scientific principles through this more applied view where now it's like, okay, this is how you apply that in a dynamic setting or for particular types of athletes or those types of things. So I'm teaching this and getting really into that aspect of it. And right around the same time, a good friend of mine, a guy named Danny Mackey, he got a coaching job for the Brooks Shoes track team, their, their sponsored track team. Danny and I went to grad school together, and we were roommates in grad school. We've been friends for a really long time, and he was in research des- in research and design at Nike. He worked at Puma. He, but he really wanted to coach, so he landed kind of his dream coaching gig And we were just talking one day, and I was like, well, how do these athletes eat? And he was like, well, you know, like, I think we could use some optimization. I think he was putting it it nicely. And so, uh, yeah, we formed this partnership, and it's really just grown from there. And and it's really just grown kind of word of mouth. It went from runners and then – we worked with another physiologist we went to grad school with, and and he's a coach in and, and a physiologist in the cycling world. So then I started working with cyclists and then just sort of word of mouth gets out. So fabulous opportunity to work with a variety of athletes, mainly endurance athletes, but but you know, this past year I worked with the Seattle Sounders. Nice. soccer Yeah. And that that's our mutual connection, I guess you could say, yes. uh, because Danny is colleagues with Sean Muldoon, yeah. uh, their head strength and conditioning coach. And so Sean was one of the people that reached out to me with this really unique idea about how maybe they could use my expertise to to help dial in some
1: of the stuff for some of the athletes. That's awesome, man. Yeah, sh- I, I think Sean has referred about a dozen of the guests on this show, and and uh, awesome. Danny Mackey was one of them, so.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, he was on. It's been a while back, but yeah, he was a, yeah. an awesome interview. So, all right, man, well, let's let's start kind of big picture, and then we can sure. narrow things up from here. Would you start by just giving us an idea of your overarching philosophy when it comes to nutrition?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. It's a really big question, so yes. I'm going to... try and keep it short the first part of this is is that i I guess the biggest thing is that and and this is where danny and i align and and this is the first thing i tell potential clients is that like i approach this from a overall health standpoint your overall health is number one i'm not a proponent of things that could lead to short-term gain that may compromise long-term health in any way because you have a short window for being an athlete even if you're Even if you think about it in terms of an entire lifespan, an average lifespan, even someone, even the outliers, your Tom Brady's, your Michael Phelps, even those guys, it's a small part of their life from a whole standpoint. So, so that's kind of, it's a, it's a health first approach. I want to make sure that the athlete is healthy. And then, you know, I think transparency and honesty is really important. So that is I use evidence-based principles that are based on the literature and the research. But when you're at the, what I call the, or, or is often referred to as the kind of the sharp end of the spear, there's not a lot of studies, for example, for optimizing, uh, to, to just tell you everything for, for a guy, for an individual that runs like a 330-1500 or, or a, <laughs> you, you know, a three a three whatever 340 whatever mile and you you really have to sort of look at athletes as a n equals one and so there may be these instances where and what i mean by transparency is is you you have the opportunity to say like hey there's these studies that show or suggest this it has physiologic and scientific plausibility we don't know how you're going to respond on an individual level but it's safe it's not going to turn you into a different person, but it could potentially be this little thing that could be a small piece of this really complex puzzle. And so maybe we should try that. So it's, it's, that's what I mean by transparency, where you can't just say like, yep, come talk to me, I'll turn you into a super athlete. It's
1: not (laughs) like that. So you can't just tell everybody you work with, like, look, you're going to be a beast. Yeah, exactly. If We work together. I'm going to Take all your markers through the roof.
0: Exactly. And so, yeah, so I I think you have to be, and then you also have to be flexible. You know, there's a lot of, I, I kind of intentionally at this point, you know, I don't have a supplement company. I don't have a book. I don't have a way. I don't have a method. So that's intentional because you have to be adaptable because people are individuals. And so there are these like basic principles that we have to abide by. Well, I shouldn't say that that's too strong of a have to. But there's these basic principles where where you start and and you sort of get your general direction, but then you have to be adaptable based on the needs of the individual.
1: I love that. Sorry, I'm making a little note here. But, you know, one of the things that I find difficult when it comes to nutrition is there's so much information out there. And it's a lot like training in the sense that, you know, most lay people don't have a filter to know what works versus what doesn't, and, and maybe along those same lines, they maybe don't know who is a reliable source versus who isn't in this social media day and age. So my mm. question for you is: How do you go about discerning what works and then applying it with your clients?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'm in a unique I think I'm in a unique position because of my educational background, and so it's hard for me to kind of step away from that because I do I think. Just as a function of, of being so into this field for so many years, it's hard to sort of see the 30,000-foot the view sometimes or hard to, to to sort of appreciate that. The things that I think are sort of – the things that I think are more like sort of red flags that people can look out for is – is when people are sort of convinced that this one way is the way for everybody. That's a bit of a red flag. Typically, people have some sort of monetary motivation related to that level of sort of Certitude. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll yes. just put it that way. Yes. Where it's because they're trying to say that their their system will work for everybody because of this, this, and this. The other thing is sort of the vilifying of individual nutrients. So, you know, you, you have to do this type of diet or that type of diet or you have mm-hmm. to cut this out for a number of days or those types of things. And And so for me, I look for individuals that can answer thoughtful questions regarding their approach that they can explain why their approach makes sense physiologically and under a variety of different circumstances. But then you also wanna, you, know, you, you wanna have someone that can make complex things be said in a simple way and kind of boil things down into simple advice that, yeah, it may not be like the flashiest or it may not be the, the sort of, yes, but it's solid. And it's, and it's evidence-based. And I think that's really what you have to look for. Now, discerning that can be really difficult because there, are, even within the field and amongst experts, there's a lot of kind of critical discussion that occurs regarding different types of things. And yep. so, yeah, this is a really tough question. I don't envy, well, I'm not gonna put it that way. What, what I'll say is that, let me see if I can form my thought around this accurately. I guess from the biggest standpoint, we did not necessarily evolve (laughs) to be in this current environment. Yeah. We have this much information, this much ability to communicate and this much food availability and (laughs) these many things. And it just, it is, it's a confusing landscape.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. So, I did not go nearly as far as you did on the schooling side. I, I got a master's degree, but I think the thing I took the most away from that two-year period was the critical thinking skills, right? Like having to dive in to multiple research papers and tease out, okay, what is valuable here? What is not? What are overarching themes? So I think the critical thinking skills are huge, but I also think there's just this time element, right, of, of creating your own filter because with a year's worth of experience right if you've been in the year in the gym for a year you could be susceptible to anything right the guy that's got huge muscles or the girl that you know has six pack abs you're prone to listen to that person because they look the part not to say that they don't know what they're doing, but mm-hmm. we, we kind of know that landscape versus mm-hmm. you do this 10, 15, 20 years and all of a sudden it's like, okay, you've got all this training experience under your belt. Like you said, you've probably been exposed to the scientific side, but you've been exposed to the practical mm-hmm. side as well.
0: Yeah. So you bring up a couple really good points with this. I'll try and be brief uh, <laughs> in regards to breaking these down, but But on the one hand, you see this a lot with nutrition. Well, it works for this person Mm -hmm. or all these people are doing it or this guy does it or this girl does it and they run this fast or they perform in this way. And this is something we even talk about at the undergrad level in my classes. And this is something that is also you go through with all the athletes. Is like, look, you're unique as an individual. And that's not a kumbaya. That's a literal scientific fact. Like you... Are unique. And so if you try something in a thoughtful way and you give it a go, it's critical that you have that one, you do it safely, and two, you have sort of measuring and tracking that is objective so you can tell whether or not you're a responder or a non responder to that approach. From a nutrition standpoint, everybody has experienced where they start a workout program with their friend and they start the same diet and the same workout program and they're gonna get fit together for whatever the goal is, health, spring break, whatever it is. And then four weeks in, or three weeks into the program, one person is like, you know, gained a bunch of strength and lost a bunch of fat, and the other person has gained three pounds (laughs) and, and doesn't, isn't making any, like has gained weight and hasn't made a bunch of strides. Well like the traditional sort of way of thinking about this is that well that person starts to think well what's wrong with me because we're doing the exact same thing and and what you have to recognize is no it's it's not what's wrong with you it's you're not a responder to the stimulus that you're applying here the the same thing happens in coaching where you apply one system to a group of athletes and you apply it to a group of 20 athletes Five of them do really well, 10 of them do okay, and five of them don't respond. Right. And you start to think, well, from a coaching standpoint, we have to get out of the way of our own egos. So you have to – you can't just say, well, I'm a genius because these 15 people are responding and these five people over here, oh, well, they just don't want it enough. They don't get <laughs> up early enough. They don't – they're not doing the little things. Well, you have to take responsibility for those five people because they are your athletes as well. And so you have to say, oh, what I'm applying, they're not responders to. Mm-hmm. And you see this a lot. You see it with nutrition, too. And, and this is something you have to have a conversation with. It's like, look, we're going to start with this base, evidence-based, just textbook place to start. You need to have whole foods. You need to get this much protein, this much fat. You need to learn how to modulate carbohydrates based on your energy needs. You need to, so we're going to start here and then we're going to find out what you're a responder to and what you're sensitive to and what you're not sensitive to and, and, and then we'll go from there. And so it's very involved in that sense. But yeah, there is a general healthy starting place and you can kind of apply that approach and then find out what works for you. And so you don't have to be, a PhD or a master's to, to figure that out. Um, right. You can just sort of like set up a few objective things that you check in on every once in a while and then ask yourself, am I responding to this or not? How do I feel?
1: I love yeah. it. I love it. So it's funny cause that kind of leads me right into my next question. And we've all seen the, the research in training, right? Where kind of like you alluded to 20 people do the same squat workout 10, no change or 10, see like a 10 pound increase, five, see like a 20 pound increase and then five, see no increase or they actually get worse. Mm -hmm. Right. So we've all seen that. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I think a lot of coaches try and do when they have a large group of athletes is put them into what they would describe as buckets. Mm -hmm. Right. Like this person responds to this, this, this. Is that how you would work in a larger group setting with with athletes as well? Or would you just try mm-hmm. and, you know, start with your kind of baseline approach and then get as individual as possible from there?
0: Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I thought it was cool that you had put this kind of on the cheat sheet that you sent me. Because it's something that I think is really important. Like the the days of just applying one system, it, like the, the my way or the highway, and then high attrition and high burnout, you're just leaving so much talent So many talented athletes, sort of by the wayside, that could really be productive and and really have great, you know, however you want to put it, careers or experiences with athletics and lifelong health and wellness, right? Like, so many people get burned out based on sports and, and being driven to something they're not a responder to. And then they form this like negative relationship with, with exercise that, that takes a long time to kind of overcome just to be healthy and just to be healthy and well as you age. So, so what I do is I kind of, like I said, I start from this basic standpoint, but, but I also, it's kind of all three of the things that you talked about. So there are these, like, I want people eating whole nutritious foods and I want supplements to be just that supplemental. I don't right. want supplements to be. So the other thing is, is supplements can't really do the thing that they're shown to do unless everything else is sort of in place beforehand. So right. our process is like when we get a new runner, for example, on, on the beast, where we start with is just like, what's your everyday diet look like? And what are the things that you like? And do you know how much protein is in something? Do you know how much carbohydrates are in something? Did you realize that this drink has a whole bunch of calories that you don't need? Do you know what a sugar alcohol is, what an artificial sweetener is? So there's this language that we work on in terms of learning and this awareness that we start to create. And that kind of applies to everybody because there just are some things that are there. It's like that would be... I don't know what the equivalent would be for, for resistance training, maybe just that you do it, (laughs) that you're lifting weights, you're in the gym and you're lifting weights, but then it gets like so much more subtle as the time goes on to where you just start taking for granted that, yeah, you lift the weights, you know how to clean, you know how to snatch, you know how to do all these different things you have those movements now we can do the really interesting and fun stuff with the programming and the phasing and the those types of things the other thing is is you can't be just as a as a result of modern society and in our modern environment you can't be super dialed in all the time with nutrition and so you have to periodize sort of like this is what's acceptable during this time of year. But then we I don't know, I refer to it as turning the screws. And as you get closer and closer to championships and your key part of your season and those types of things, you gotta keep turning the screws a little bit. But if you turn too tight, then you have no, you have nothing left to go. As the season goes on and so what you see and you see this a lot especially in endurance sports is someone will start the year really well or they'll have an awesome indoor season but then it's hard for them to carry throughout the entire season a lot of professional sports are like this too you have ebbs and flows and teams look good at different parts of time but then injuries start to build up and these different things like that nutrition nutrition is just like that you can it's really important and it's really important to recognize that you just can't be a hundred percent dialed with your nutrition all the time. You have to like, you have to eat some junk food that you like <laughs> once in a while. You have to do these sorts of things. But on the other hand, when you do that, then you kind of get out of the mental state of like, "Well, I'm an athlete and I'm young and I can eat whatever I want." So there's there's thought, but it's manageable and it. And it ebbs and flows and it's individual, but it's broad enough to be applied at least at the start to other people. I don't know if I'm answering your
1: yeah, question. Yeah, no, no, but... no. No. And I think within that is something really interesting, this the idea of periodizing nutrition. And you know, I think I've thought of that loosely in the past, but the idea of not being a hundred percent dialed in year round, I think is really relevant. So for instance, a lot of the soccer players that I work with in the MLS. That season could be nine, 10, as long as almost 11 months out of the year. And so I clearly remember when a lot of my guys would report third week in January, I might've had a, at best an eight week off season with them, right? Especially the guys in Seattle, cause they were so good. And I just remember when I would send them back, my only goal, it, my goal first and foremost was not for them to be in like peak match fitness. That's right. Right. The goal is, hey, I want you to be fit enough so that when you get into camp, you can ramp up into camp and get through camp injury free so that Mm -hmm. when you get into simulated or like preseason games, you can get Mm -hmm. through those unscathed so that, you know, when you get into the season, that's when you're starting to peak. Mm-hmm. So I just find that really interesting that you do mm-hmm. that as well with nutrition yep. because too often young coaches want to put their stamp on things and like, oh, man, I'm going to have you in the best shape of your life when you hit training yes. camp. And then they're destroyed by the time June or July Correct. comes around. Yep, yep.
0: This is such a good – this is good insight. And so we – and with running and cycling particularly and in, in, in football too or soccer too, you – like the weight of an athlete does matter. There's a strength to weight ratio thing that's sure. just not – you can't run from that. And we don't run from that. And there's not, that's real, but there's also the health part. Again, this goes back to that. We have to maintain healthiness. So there might be a weight that you would peak at for a championship race that is just, you can't sustain that year round and also be healthy, but you can, you can touch that weight for a week for Mm -hmm. two weeks to, and maintain your, your energy production your recovery and all these different types of things but we need to find out what that is for you as particularly at the elite level and we're talking about we're talking about world-class athletes here not necessarily even high school and college like you again if you think of the turning the screws analogy you know yeah you should start eating you should start with healthy habits in high school but supplements shouldn't be your main thing in high school right yeah. and and even in college you're learning how to live on your own you're learning how to cook for yourself you're learning how to you need to be able to like read a nutrition label you need to understand these sorts of things. So it's, it's, again, it's like this progression and it's a similar progression that you see with training and, and those types of things. So that when you get to the elite level, you're, you have the tools in your toolbox to do the things you need to do at the times you need to do it. And a lot of this, like there, a lot of athletes I talk with have the motivation, they have the desire. But they also – they want it to be perfect all the time or they don't necessarily know how to apply it or they don't know how to – and sometimes you just have to say, hey, look, don't worry about nutrition for two weeks. Just – just." and that doesn't mean – and the other part of this, this is something Danny and I talked to. It also means that a lot of athletes will say, oh, well, it's the off season. I have to eat ice cream every day or I have to drink beer every day <laughs> because this is the time of year when I get to do that. There's this real subtle – difference between I have to do those things. So I'm going to do it compared to, I want to eat this and it's the time of year when I can. Right. Right. If you don't want it, then don't eat it. Right. But if you do want it, or if that's the thing you've been looking forward to, then, then enjoy it. But, but you need to be aware, you need to have awareness and intentionality, with, uh-huh. not, not, not control. Or yeah. there, there shouldn't be a lot of well, this is ironic that I said there shouldn't be, but there shouldn't be a lot of shoulds. I should do this. I have to do this. I need to do this. I, I just got to do that. It's it's more of just awareness and intentionality.
1: I love that. All right. Mm-hmm. So these days there are hundreds, if not thousands of diet and nutrition programs out there. How do you help your clients navigate that space? And maybe along those same lines, how do you respond if someone that you're working with is already really into fill in the blank here? It could be keto, paleo, the cookie diet, whatever their thing is. Yeah.
0: So there is a line with this. And what I mean by that is like, I, I tell athletes or I say, I like when I give talks and stuff like that, I can basically say like, I can, you can make almost any of these reasonable diets work. What I can't, help you with is if you refuse to eat anything but fast food or the cookie diet or something like that, because you just don't have the quality of nutrients that you need. But in terms of vegetarian, vegan, meat eating, organic, not like all these different conversations, keto, whole food or whole 30, 30, I don't even know what they're called. people ask me all the time, Oh, have you heard of this one? I'm like, no. And they're like, I thought you were a nutritionist. I was like, yeah, I am. (laughs) You don't have to know what the latest diet is to be a nutritionist. So, So, so the thing here is that you have to be willing to work with the individual. The other thing you need to do is say like, what are we trying to accomplish? Right? So if you are a, you know, if you're a soccer player, if you're a basketball player, if you're an elite runner, an elite cyclist, and you don't want to eat carbohydrates that's a problem it just from yeah. it's it's just you will not perform as well without carbohydrates no matter how fat adapted you become now if you understand how to use carbohydrates we can modulate those and we can use them to be we we can use carbohydrates really strategically in order to fuel workouts but not be an unnecessary source of, of nutrient signaling or or spikes in blood sugar, mm. or we don't need it at certain times, but we need it at other times. Right. The other thing is, is that like you have to ask, what are you trying to get out of this? So So if you're trying to get peak performance, for example, you have to have carbohydrates. But if you're a recreational athlete that just wants to stay at a healthy body weight, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that a lower carbohydrate approach is healthy. It minimizes the amount of blood sugar spikes. It, it can have a positive impact on your insulin sensitivity, which is sort of insulin resistance is the precursor to type 2 diabetes. Yeah. Protein is very filling. So when we increase the amount of protein that we eat on a regular basis, we have a tendency to want to snack less and it we, we find food more satisfying and filling and these types of things. You know, I work with several athletes that are vegetarians, not because necessarily they're doing it for performance purposes it's because they believe in that approach because it reduces their carbon footprint and it sure. it's a it's a quote-unquote like clean way of eating I don't, I don't even know what that means it's not like people are like washing their food with <laughs> soap and eating. Right. so like I, I mean, people say things like clean and toxins and stuff like that i don't even know what they're talking about but but like there's this perception that, hey, I feel good, I, feel, I'm get, I get a lot of variety, I'm reducing my carbon footprint, this, this resonates with me. The irony is, is that a lot of vegans and vegetarians who are also elite athletes have to eat a lot of processed foods. Um, and they have to take a lot of supplements because they don't have a lot of creatine because they're not eating meat. And they don't have a lot of carnosine because they're not eating meat. And they don't have all these micronutrients that we find in meat. Meat's a very complex food. You yeah. Know? So, But at least you can work with it. You, yeah. you don't tell someone like, hey, you have to eat this or you have to do that. So you kind of have to say like, what are the goals? Is it health or performance or the combination of the two? What age am I? Where am I at? What foods do I like? What fits with my kind of view on what I want nutrition to mean to me? and then you go from there. But but that's largely an internal experience. I can kind of guide that a little bit, but but I really need communication and, and reflection from the individual. And then I can kind of say, oh, well, then let me go find a study that would support this, or how can we do this, quote unquote, in a, in a right way or healthy way.
1: Yeah. It's so interesting, too. You kind of mentioned carbohydrates. And I had, I don't know if you know him, Dr. Mark Bubbs, was on a while back. He does some work with Canada basketball. And one of the things that he mentioned in his show, and then also in the book that he wrote was, you know, we're at a time and space now where a lot of athletes understand the role of protein. And if you look at a lot of them, a lot of them are getting enough protein. The macro that they seem to miss out on the most is actually carbohydrates. Yeah, And you're Mm -hmm. seeing this under fueling and, you know, for whatever reason, right? Whether it's like, the the lay fitness stigma or the the lay media stigma of carbohydrates are evil but it was just really interesting that you you brought that up as well because a lot of people seem scared of carbohydrates at the highest levels of sport
0: yes and and i think you know there is a lot of information and misinformation about carbohydrates and their role and man when you use carbohydrates kind of as a tool like what's interesting about carbohydrates they're, they're one of the hardest to sort of deal with because there's no set recommendation like i can like my approach you you set a you set a protein amount based on body weight you set a fat amount based on body weight you have to hit that every day no matter what your training is carbohydrates can modulate based on the training intensity the training length the training duration those types of things but carbohydrates are stored so you need to – like a lot of people think, for example, in terms of like, oh, well, that was a hard workout. I need to replenish things. Well, the workout's already done. Like wouldn't it have been better to have those things that you were dipping into before the workout? So it's like there's all these subtleties about like, okay, this is when I need to load up on carbs. This is when I'm going to be going hard. This is when I – all these different things. The other thing that I think was – we think too much. I think I mentioned this in, in my little like, overarching philosophy thing that I wrote you, is that we think too much about how nutrients are are just fuel, that this is just fuel. This is just a, it's, it's like this, it's almost like a parasitic relationship where at the detriment of food, we will gain. So yes. we are the parasite and we're just consuming the food and that food is serving our purposes and there's nothing else to it. Whereas, for me, food needs to be really symbiotic and it needs to be beneficial from, from both standpoints, right? We need right. to respect it. We need to know where it comes from. We need to know how it's processed. We need to know how it's, we need to be able, we need to be thoughtful and intentional about those things. And in return, it will nourish us and be important signal for us and stuff like that. And this, again, this is like not exactly the most scientific thing I've ever said, but, but <laughs> but it resonates. And so, so there's this idea that like, when we understand the the role that food has it, how it influences our hormones, how it influences our, our, even our brain and our central nervous system and those types of things, then you can problem solve in real time. Like, oh, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling really negative on the court today. I wonder if I had enough carbohydrates heading into this. I should drink something with sugar right now, and I bet that'll make my brain feel better because brains love sugar.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: when you're low, when the math isn't adding up centrally between the amount of glycogen you have in your muscle and the the speed at which you're going through glycogen, your brain doesn't like that. And so it's gonna send signals of fatigue and things like that. You know, there's a bunch of interesting studies that show for some people, for some responders, just swishing your mouth out with Gatorade in the middle of a workout yes. can improve performance o- or limit dec- decrements in performance. It doesn't necessarily improve it, but it, it limits the decline in performance. So that doesn't make sense from an energetic standpoint. If food was just fuel, then why is that carbohydrate having that effect? Well, it's because it's, there's some sort of central signal that's telling your brain, hey, the checks are coming in, so we're going to let you keep spending the money. At the at the rate you want to spend. That's cool. So yeah, so it's like you know, and these are kind of the you you know, it's so fun working with elite athletes and and just you know, working with individuals, I should say. It's so fun because you get to take science, and you know, I think you mentioned earlier, like you get to apply it or there's practical. I call that the art, the art of it, right? And so you you have the science. But then you get to be super creative and, and artistic and how you apply it. And if it doesn't work, then you come back and you analyze it and you think about it scientifically and then you apply it. And it it becomes, again, it's it's more of a relationship than just sort of like, give me food, I need it, <laughs> and I just, like, whatever, you know.
1: And then I'm just a yoked up bro, like 300 yeah. pounds, squatting 1,000 I mean, pounds. It,
0: the other thing about it is that food we have to eat. (laughs) And so we might as well figure out a way to like enjoy it and have it be this really fun, interesting, beneficial part of our lives.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. Okay. Big question time, my guy. If you could alter the space-time continuum and give young Kyle Pfaffenbach one piece of advice about training and or life, what would it be?
0: This is a good one. It would be to not compare yourself to others.
1: I like it. I like it. Is there some personal element to that or just in general?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think as athletes, you you end up sort of as an athlete and as a developing athlete, you sort of have these benchmarks. I want to get to here. Well, so-and-so is here. I want to get to that point or I want to get this many even in the gym, I want to be able to lift this much or I want to be able to, and a lot of that is because this person can lift that much or this person did something at pro day or this person did something at the combine or this person, you know, performs like this on the field and this is how they lift or eat or those sorts of things. And it's, it's like, and it spills into other parts of your life as well. And in terms of like, even just, professional career and and sort of check marks and these types of things and and everybody has a unique journey and something i guess it 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 this provides more insight of like some things that i'm going through right now I'm just thinking about my place in this space because there's so many smart people and there's so many good athletes and there's so many good coaches and there's so many good nutritionists and there's so much good information you start sort of naturally wondering if you're as is if your approach is as effective, or if you do certain things, and what you really need to do is just come back and say, look, you're well trained, you you know, that this works, you have evidence, you're not willing to, it's not necessary to always be right, you're willing to continue to learn. And so it's like, yeah, I think that's an important aspect for young people to appreciate. I love it. On journey.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. I love it. You need to Absolutely. Okay. So, last but not least, we've got our lightning round. Five yeah. fairly short questions. Your answer can be as long or short as you like. Okay. Number one: What's your career highlight so far as a coach?
0: Oh man, I'm going to dodge this because I don't want because <laughs> I don't want to single anybody out.
1: Oh man, but,
0: because I don't want to leave anybody behind. That's what I mean. So, <laughs> but we've had some really cool experiences. I mean, just seeing, you know. I guess with Coach Mackey, for example, when, when he took over that team, he got, I think, five or six athletes that were at a variety of levels. And being along for that ride is, has been really cool. So so being along basically since the very beginning with Coach Mackey and seeing now they basically started the model of we're going to treat this like a team. We're going to treat this professional track team as a team, not as just these fragmented pieces And we're going to build this up with support, physio, training, lifestyle, nutrition. And we're going to invest in those things and see what happens to people. And it's been really cool. We've had a lot of people make world teams and Olympic teams and have success in different ways. And so that's, yeah, it's hard to just say one thing. but, But building that with him has been really rewarding.
1: No, I'll take that. I'll take that. At first, I thought you were totally just going to dodge the question altogether. But I, I like that answer because yeah, you're you know, building, you're building something collaborative. That's cool.
0: And, you know, on an individual level outside of the runners that I work with, and, and I just have so much like love for all of them. But, you know, I have to give a, a special shout out to to a client I started working with really early when she was a under 23 cyclist, a woman named Kate Courtney, who I started working with her several years ago. And she kind of went from this sort of rising young rider with a lot of potential to winning a world championship and then winning the world cup overall and we've just developed this really cool relationship in terms of and just seeing her grow into a into a pro body and apply science and do all these that's been a really rewarding experience overall
1: that's it's awesome cool. that's awesome okay Number two, you may not love the term, but I'm going to use it for ease of understanding. What's mm-hmm. what's the nutrition guy's favorite cheat meal?
0: Oh, that's easy. Salt and vinegar chips. Oh,
1: that does sound good. <laughs> I love chips. Yeah. Something so, about the salt, man.
0: Yeah, man. So also tortilla chips are so good too. They, there's these tortilla chips called Red Hot Blues that are they're blue corn tortilla chips covered with a little bit of chili powder and oh. a spice. And they're just like...
1: Damn, that sounds amazing. So good. Yeah.
0: And what's great about it is I like spicy food, but my wife doesn't. So if we have mild salsa, you get your spice with the chips, but you get the vegetables and the the salsa with with the mild salsa. So
1: you heard it here first. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's clutch.
1: (laughs) All right. Number three, what's the most ridiculous diet or nutrition advice you've ever heard?
0: You know, something I just can't get my head around because I've never seen anyone prove this or demonstrate that is any way physiologically possible is that you can become so adapted to fat and ketone production that it can be as powerful as energy source for high intensity activity as carbohydrate.
1: Mm. Yes. I know that is something that is still trying to be proven, I feel like, and
0: You have to have carbs to go fast
1: Yeah, to go. Yeah. It's
0: just like, yeah. So this idea that somehow you can put yourself in a metabolic position in a way that, that will replace that is just not, I just don't, I'm not buying it.
1: (laughs) Well, the the burden of proof is on them, right? That's right. Like it's pretty, it's a great, pretty clear that carbohydrates work. So just show me the evidence that fats can do it too. And, Maybe I can rock better, with that. Better
0: in a superior way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Superior
0: to, to carbohydrate. It's just yeah, the burden of proof is on them. It's a great yeah. way to put it.
1: Yeah. Number four. What are some of your go-to resources for nutrition advice these days? Like whose stuff do you read or who are you following? Yeah.
0: So a couple things. This is good. So so there's a nutritionist. She's the head nutritionist for the Australian Institute of Sport. Her name is Louise Burke. She is a really good scientist, but she's also real. She's not afraid to, she doesn't get bogged down in dogma. It's really yeah. interesting. She's not afraid to ask questions and challenge sort of long accepted paradigms. But in really smart and creative and intelligent scientific ways. So she publishes a lot of peer reviewed She writes a lot of consensus statements, but she also does a whole bunch of work that is super useful for coaches So even right now the Australian institute of sport has one of the most amazing sort of sample menu resources online It's free for everybody Hmm. that you can go and access tons of good recipes and then there's there's high and low carbohydrate versions of the recipes and high and low carb versions depending on how you're and she's built all that in so that's all based on the science of periodization and you know that there are some benefits to times being low in carbohydrates and all these different stuff and she she tackles that in her scientific work but then she also applies it in these other settings so i'm gonna
1: have yeah. to check her stuff out that sounds awesome
0: yeah, you have to check her stuff out yeah so she i've actually never met her i've never talked to her i'm a huge like fanboy fan yes <laughs> <laughs> It would yeah she anyways it hopefully our paths cross at some point but then she also contributes a lot to an organization called the International Society of Sports Nutrition the ISSN yep. they they do a pretty good job they they have a peer reviewed journal source and they put out these consensus statements every few years so there's a consensus statement for supplementation in athletes there's a consensus statement for so they'll every once in a while come out with these consensus statements kind of like the way that ACSM does that as well. The American College of Sports Medicine does as well. It just, but they're, they're not afraid. The the Journal for International Society of Sports Nutrition, they're not afraid to sort of publish articles that sort of challenge things a little bit, or just say like, hey, this might not be the most perfect study, but it's pretty interesting. And maybe some people can get some useful information out of it.
1: That's cool. Cool. Okay. Last but not least, number five, what's next for Kyle Pfaffenbach?
0: Next. I don't know, man. I maybe develop some ambition so that yeah. I,
1: uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with the space I'm in right now. I love teaching. I love working with undergrads. You, you know, I have this kind of handful of elite athletes that I work with. I'm looking forward to the Olympics, hopefully this year. I'm looking forward to getting vaccinated when it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I guess I don't, I'm not ambitious in the sense of I want to take over the world or change the nutrition industry or anything like that. I just want to continue to affect as many individual people in a helpful and healthy way as I can. That's um,
1: awesome. Yeah. No, I, that, that's awesome, man. I think we need more people out there like you. I love it.
0: So I <laughs> yeah, probably, you know, I I should probably have more of an Instagram. I should probably have more <laughs>
1: of a, but I just like. We need more shirtless pics, man. Yeah. <laughs> Never trust the nutrition nutrition guy if he doesn't have just ripped abs, right? Yeah, I mean, uh... <laughs> oh, man. Well, Kyle, man, it's been awesome catching up with you today. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Where can my Stop listeners that. find out more about you?
0: I honestly don't have a great reservoir. I don't even have a website. <laughs> I mean, you can you look at my bio and stuff on the eastern oregon webpage, but i don't think it's been updated for a couple years <laughs> i have an instagram it's just my full name kyle faffenbach but it's go. basically just me and my dog skiing powder like i don't hey. talk about nutrition on it so hey um, i mean
1: i need more dog dog life in my uh <laughs> yeah, in my ig feed anyway man <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've seen enough so, uh, training and nutrition people i want more dogs
0: yeah, I mean, you, people can just, you know, my email, my school's email is on the web. My personal email is on the web, so people can find different articles or blog posts or interviews I've done and and reach out if they want to if they're interested. But That's at cool. this point, I'm, I'm,
1: yeah, yeah. You're just you're just over there killing it with your dog and the powder just, and
0: just the dog got the powder. Tried to say, tried to get better at saying no to to too many projects so
1: yeah you and me uh, both man you and me both well again kyle thanks so much for coming on man this was really great
0: yeah well good mike i really appreciate it i'll talk to you later all right my friend that does it for this week's show with kyle really hope you enjoyed it
1: i love talking nutrition but even more importantly i love talking nutrition with people that are very moderate and balanced When it comes to their nutritional viewpoints, I think there's a lot of polarizing stuff out there. So we need more people like Kyle. Now, if you enjoyed this week's show, I've got one small favor to ask. There is so much confusion. There is so much information when it comes to the topic of nutrition. So small ask this week. If you enjoyed this week's show pass it on to somebody who you think might benefit from it. It could be a friend, a family member, a loved one, a fellow coach, trainer, rehab professional. Basically, if you know someone that would benefit from hearing Kyle's message, please pass it along to them because the more great people we can get this show in front of, the better off we're all going to be. So my friend, as always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back soon with our next episode. Take care.